everyone. Welcome into this month's edition of STT Interviews. This month, Lauren and I are excited to get to sit down with Louis Liberti, uh, who played Paramedic Bardelli for 48 episodes between 2003 and the show's end in 2009. Mr. Liberti, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Oh, of course. My pleasure. But thanks for having me. This is fun. So to get us uh, kind of off on the right foot, talk a little bit about uh, how you got your start in acting. Did you always want to be an actor? How did all that kind of get going for you? Yeah, I guess it was a, a, a like a childhood fantasy when you're watching the movies. But for it to be a reality was a whole other question because I grew up in Queens, New York, which mm. was not part of the fabric. So I think I was like 17. I, mo- I came out to Los Angeles just on a whim, on a vacation with some friends. And all of a sudden, L.A. became real. I was able to say, oh, people are really doing this. Mm-hmm. It came out again like when I was 19. And I really scoped out the scene to see if I could live out here. And within a year, I moved out. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I had the athlete's mentality. Like, I wanted to do something I loved to do. So I was hoping to become a pro baseball player at some point. And once okay. that died quickly, <laughs> I uh, realized I needed to find something else that was going to get me out of bed in the morning. So sure. acting became my, uh, my, uh, my goal. It's a good one to have. Um, we're, we're grateful for it because we get shows like this because <laughs> people like you decide it's a good idea. Um, but, but more specifically, how did you get the job on ER and what was your audition process like? Um, I think I had, I think I went into John Levy once um, when the show was going on, probably like, probably like season seven or eight. Maybe a little earlier. But anyway, long story short, a buddy of mine got a writing job on the show. And he said to me, he says, hey, I could probably get you in on an audition. Um, probably a smaller role. But, you know, it would be a good, jo- a good job to have. Then a couple of weeks later, he said, hey, I might be able to get you in on one of those paramedic jobs. Which was even smaller than the original role that he was going to bring <laughs> me in on, and you know I'm sure you've heard this from from some of the other interviews where like well as you know as an actor you want something a little you know something you sink your teeth into something that you could you know flex your acting chops, but then when he told me about what the paramedics do because I wasn't watching the show fairly regularly mm-hmm. I knew I knew Emily Wagner on the show because mm-hmm. she and I yep. were were in a theater company together so when she got the job and six seven years later she's still working I was like oh maybe I could become one of those paramedic guys so that you know you have a bit of a steady job. So long story short, my buddy wrote, wrote, the, wrote the role. I went in for the audition and it was kind of weird because he was in the room with John Levy and they paired us up with other, uh, other guys. Mm-hmm. And the one guy I went in with, he was, he was a little scattered. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're, you know, the role could recur. So there's a lot of pressure, but it's like, you look, there's anxiety, you know, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, people are looking forward to uh, a steady job. He does this thing where he pantomimes the gurney as if he's swinging the gurney in. And I do one of these things where I kind of like back up, mm-hmm. not knowing he was going to do it, totally mm-hmm. throws me off. And I, out of the corner of my eye, I see my buddy like give him one of the looks like, what the fuck did this guy just do? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> and the moment, he, the moment I saw him do that, I felt I, re- I was relaxed. I was able to, you know, like improvise. Yeah. Had a couple of nice little moments. And uh, that was this that, that's got me the job because I was able to, you know, just like improvise in that moment. And I think uh, right. the, dir- the director and the, and the casting director said, oh, OK, so this guy uh, could think on his feet. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's key for a job like this. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Well, so you kind of mentioned that, you know, you weren't necessarily like watching the show week to week or anything like you were obviously, you know, kind of aware of it. But 
what was some of your memories filming that first episode? Did you feel kind of any extra pressure starting out in the middle of a oh, show? Yeah. like at, at that point is like the number one show on TV? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do feel the pressure. Um, I did have my buddy in my corner and, and he was, you know, I, I watched him get the job and, you know, I learned all about the, the ins and outs of what was going on behind the scenes. So I kind of had a good feeling for what, what the stakes were on the show. Mm-hmm. And my scene was with Bob Newhart. So yeah. that was kind of a fun intro, you know? Oh, you, you don't remember mm-hmm. that, Daniel? Yeah, I, yeah. I went, actually went and tried to find your, your very first episode oh, cool. this week. And, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, man, what an intro to show up on the same right? day Bob Newhart is there. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of special because, in fact, that character, Bob Newhart character, was based on my buddy's uh, grand grandmother. Oh, who, okay. I don't know if you remember, but um, he ends up getting a, having a disease where he starts going blind. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think he ends up um, committing suicide, I believe, mm-hmm. with Sherry Stringfield. I think that mm-hmm. um, anyway, it's based on my buddy's grandmother, which was pretty powerful scene because I think he was nominated. Wasn't he nominated for a guest? I think he was. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So. Yeah. He did like probably five, six episodes. So anyway, because it was like a, a casual scene, it wasn't like somebody was dying. There's not a lot of urgency. I was able to like, you know, settle in. I was able to yeah, really right. kind of like just walk and talk walk and talk and the and the and the the uh the saying over there is like you know walk fast talk slow well this i was Mm -hmm. able to walk and talk slow okay so i knew that that wasn't going to be the rest of my job i knew at some point if i stuck around it was going to be a lot of a lot of urgency a lot of blood a lot of difficult dialogue um so the first scene was fine the second scene is when it got interesting Uh, before i did the episode uh my buddy dave was like listen when the new people come on and they're thinking about having them recur, just know that the director wants to test your metal. So if something comes up, he's going to, you know, he may challenge you. He may call you out just to see if you can keep your cool under the pressure. Mm-hmm. So with my job, it's more like uh, the less they hear about you, the better you are. In other <laughs> right. words, mm-hmm. stay in your fucking lane don't get creative <laughs> right <laughs> right so that's the lesson i learned on the first episode because we were going through um we were doing a rehearsal and me and my partner at the time we were standing in front of the the admit desk and sherry was giving us information about a, a patient and during rehearsal i was like ah, i'm just standing here i kind of want to do something to like lead me into the scene so i reached it was a i believe it was a, a halloween episode so i reached into the bucket of candy the the pumpkin just to kind of like give myself a little business <laughs> during rehearsals. So I go to do it and we, he, they, they cut and then the director comes over and he's like, don't do that. It's Jonathan <laughs> Kaplan. <laughs> and Jonathan Kaplan was like a badass. He's like, you know, yeah. he's legendary, this guy. He's like, don't do that. Uh, do what? Don't put your hand in the, in the, in the, in the, in the bowl. The sound picks it up. You're going to ruin the take. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> So then when we go to do it for the actual film, the actual take, Sherry does it. (laughs) (laughs) She she sticks her hands in there. She's kind of meddling with it. You you hear, cut, Jonathan, what the fuck did I just say? (laughs) What did I just say? And my buddy was on set. David was on set. And I'm like, all right, oh, shit, here it comes. Here's that moment where David was talking about. He's going to come gunning for me. He's going to, like, you know, see if I can handle the, you know, just – right can can i assimilate with right. this big machine right 
And John's like, I told you not to do that. You're going to fuck up this, the, the, the take. And Sherry's like, oh, sorry, that was me. That was me. And Jonathan just, you know, just turns his back and just walked away. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. My heart was pounding, <laughs> pounding. <laughs> yeah, that was it. yeah. It was one of those experiences where I said, right, "This is where I got to really learn to just, you know, keep a low profile, stay stay in the rhythm of the shows, keep yep. keep your uh, intention going." But other than that, don't get too creative. Yeah, I don't recall who else we spoke to recently, but there was somebody else who was talking about the dangers of getting, you know, out of your lane on mm-hmm. some of those supporting roles and just how. You know, sometimes it's best just to do what was written and do it well. It's amazing, Lauren. It's amazing because you could get caught up in, especially if you you had like a good rehearsal and you're kind of like it's mm-hmm. good for the it's good for the camera. You know, you do a camera rehearsal, you do blocking, whatever. And all of a sudden, you're feeling you're feeling your zone, and all of a sudden, a, uh, an improvisational moment happened that wasn't planned. And Mackay Pfeiffer was he loved that stuff, so he would almost egg mm-hmm. it on. He was he mm-hmm. that guy was like he was like skilled at that. He just loved it because right. it enlivened. And sometimes you forget that you're there. You're just there just to give information. You're right. not there to reveal character. You're just moving right. the story along. But you're an actor, and you you know you start to you know take up space. Mm-hmm. Not a good idea when m- millions of dollars are on the line and egos and all that other good stuff. <laughs> kind of like being a referee in a football game. Like as soon as they as soon as they know your name, like you've. You, you've oh, that's got a so problem. true, Daniel. That's so true. That's exactly right. There's like it's it's a weird thing because it's it's like, you know, everybody wants to feel part of you know the big picture, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to feel right. like you're, you know, you're significant. Meanwhile, when you watch the show, you're like, oh my god, you blink, you missed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you have to step it up where you're you're feeling like, oh, this is about Bardelli. I'm gonna reveal right. Bardelli's yeah. shitty morning right now. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, it's yeah. Like, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say I've noticed a lot more appreciation for the paramedics, and we pay a lot more attention to you all now that we've you know spoken to so many of you. That as we're watching the show now, we're like, "Hey, Doris, <laughs> Emily, good job!" And like, that's amazing. It's stuff. You yeah, can we, you can always like, tell too, though the the ones who got it, like you said, because. Yep. The, those are the ones that stuck around like they were not a sh- it was not a show that like recycled paramedics mm-hmm. every season that's a good point know? yeah that's a good point because it was it, well you know they they would they would bring in a new uh, interns every mm-hmm. every season but there was a different responsibility there but with mm-hmm. the paramedics you're right they, they added a few including myself because i didn't get on until season yeah. 10 um but nonetheless you're right daniel it had to that was it was it wasn't you know, we we're like number 30 on the call sheet. But when yeah. the actual scene came around, you had to be number one on the call sheet because it's all yeah. once they say action, it's a very it's an equal playing field. There's no hierarchy once they say action. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. We just watched a season 11 episode and I was like, oh, shit, Emily's still there. Like, it was yeah, just like, damn, that's <laughs> yeah, that's so, yeah. It's a long run. It's crazy. Um, But yeah, being that you played a supporting role your time on set and your appearances were more infrequent what was a typical episode like for you to film how much advance notice would you get that you were needed for an episode and how did you handle not knowing whether your character would return week to week um the latter 
part of that question. I, I didn't suffer from that because my buddy was running the show. Oh, yeah, that's a- fair. <laughs> <laughs> so fair. I knew weeks in advance. <laughs> yeah, if not fair. You know, I knew it was a very fortunate situation because I'm. A, I, I tend to be a very nervous person to begin with. I feel like an outsider <laughs> no matter where I go, even in my own family. I feel like an outsider. So that's a real need that I have to feel like I, I like. Like even for this interview, I said, "All right, I got to really wrap my brain around this because, you know, I want to make sure that I cover all the bases. I, yeah. you know, do right by you guys. And so I'll do my preparation. So mm-hmm. to have him tell me, oh yeah, okay, dude, you're gonna be in episode, you know, four, six, seven, and probably nine. I'm like, oh, oh, good. Okay, what's the storyline? And you know, I can't tell you that. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. it is yet. But I know that we'll need you, your parents. So that was You've great. You've got work." <laughs> exactly lauren exactly and that's that was like such a great you know uh, benefit um typical episode you know you would get the call time probably you know if i knew i was working that usually episodes started on a monday so i would probably get the call time probably that friday um if i was first up i, w- I wouldn't try to abuse my relationship with my friends like saying hey when do you think they're gonna film this scene He'll be like, well, right. it's, it's in the ambulance bay. We usually do the ambulance bay outside stuff on a Friday, which is kind of fun. You find, kind of figure out all the logistics of how they mm. schedule things. Like the UPM, Tommy Burns was like a genius at that. I mean, he started out as the as an AD, but over the, la- the latter years, he was a the the uh, you know production manager, which was like, you know, you got a lot of moving parts. Right. Right. So anyway, I would find out like Friday night that I was working on a Monday, or I was working, you know, maybe later on Tuesday. And I would tend to just right away, as soon as I get on, as soon as I get on the lot, I would go right on to the set because if I wasn't there, maybe a few episodes, I would need to connect to people to, like I said, mm-hmm. to feel like I'm a part of something. So I just like do my rounds in, in pun intended, by the way, do my rounds <laughs> in the, uh, in the, in the, um, uh, on the soundstage just to say hi, just to connect and see how the day was going. Mm-hmm. This way I could kind of get a sense of, and you know, Carly was like a buddy of mine where she was like, you know, she was like, you know, she's like the backbone of the set. So I would hit her up yeah. saying, hey, how, how much time do you think I have before I need to, you know, whatever, prepare and get ready. So that was kind of like my routine. And uh, like I said, unless I worked the most, some of the most intimidating things were when the actors were directing. That would be like mm-hmm. the harder episode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. It, Cause they're, you know, they're the real deal. They know what you're going through and you got to, right. and you want to show up for them. And, right. you know, like the guys like Paul McCrane and Laura Ennis, they were just, you know, they're just the bombs, those guys, you know, I can't imagine getting to act for them. That must've been insane. It, it is. And again, not that I had to do a lot, but nonetheless, you just, you know, you want their attention and then, and you like, they know what you, you're going through or they have, you know, they have a, dozen other plates that they're dealing with at the time so mm-hmm. it is it's a little intimidating especially when you're a fan the way i was yeah yeah so i'm sorry lauren did i answer all those questions there was like a three-parter there i thought no yeah it was quite a mouthful you you covered <laughs> okay. it because we touched we touched on it a little bit i need to start bulleting those big ones out for people yeah. so we can but um no you nailed it okay great <laughs> uh so you kind of mentioned you know how you had the the pace was not immediately like lightning quick when you first started but obviously at a certain point it's a fast-paced show it's gonna kick up a little bit um 
we've kind of heard a very particularly from the EMTs uh we've heard kind of a uh varied response to how easy or difficult it was for them to pick up all of the medical jargon spitting all that stuff out on a quick rapid fire pace when you're doing those bullets during those trauma scenes especially during those one shot trauma scenes where it's 12 13 pages and if you mess up the last part now we have to do everything all over again so what was that like for you uh, a nightmare an absolute fucking nightmare. <laughs> look at look at you with look at you with the lingo, Daniel. Bullets. Nice, buddy. Where'd you pick that up? Where is yeah, do this for yeah. do this for long enough, you start to pick it up. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because the first time I heard that, I'm like, bullet. Oh yeah, get the bullet out. <laughs> um, get the bullet out. Yeah, I had huge issues, man. Huge issues. Now, just a quick digression. You know, I I teach, I teach acting, so I'm kind of like on mm-hmm. both sides of the, of the coin here. You know, so I'm in front of a room quite often. Uh, at the time of the show, uh, 2003, I started doing a one-man play. So I was on stage for like, you know, good hour and 15 minutes doing a you know one-person show about you know 10, 15 mm-hmm. characters, what have you. So it's not like I, I don't know how to like memorize or I don't know how to like you sure. know hold court that kind of thing. But when it came to these bullets, <laughs> to be on the set, I became such a newbie. I became such a you know, a bumbling fool because number one, as you can hear, my accent doesn't, you know, bode well with medical jargon and, you know, like articulation and all this stuff. So <laughs> I really had a phobia with this stuff, a serious phobia. Um, so I really had to crunch my lines. I had to learn them inside and out. And you can only imagine so much when it would be like on set. You could get an idea on how they're going to shoot it, mm-hmm. but you know, you never really know how many extras they're going to be, what kind of props they're going to bring into the equation. So you really had to stay loose. You had to like, you know, the tension, the mental tension had to really get uh, under wraps. So I've had some really brutal experiences where I would like do my play like the night before I'd come in feeling good that I'm going to be, you know, that I'm going to know my stuff, come in and just chow the first take. Just, just belly flop and stink up the whole room. Okay, back to one. Oh shit. Okay, and I'll I can give you some really good examples, but um, just to answer the question, Daniel, it was wasn't easy for me. Uh, I had to really understand the mechanics of it. I really understand if you know I'm in a band, I'm in the the rhythm guitar. Just stay in your lane. Just play the rhythm guitar. Don't try to be, you know, any fancier than that. Whatever that does. Um, and once I got the hang of it, then I started to understand. Oh, less is expected of me. Mm-hmm. To a certain degree, you know, you have to be, you know, like I said, you have to be in the rhythm of the scene. You have to be in the pace. Um, you know, walk fast, talk slow, kind of thing, whatever, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we didn't have a lot of, because the if, if the if the they wanted to, if the camera wanted to get the whole shot within say, you know like maybe forty feet and you had to get a lot of information out because they're going to go into another room and they want to edit going into the other room, you had to really just you know even as you can hear in my voice, uh, mumble a little bit mm-hmm. just to get the words out. That was not mm-hmm. a that was not you know uh, a bad cheat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because I got called in once for uh, ADR. So it could have, mm. you know, some people could get called in. I mean, I could have been called in more times, but they they were they would cheat around it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, 
I mean, I can tell you a story if you want to find some of the please. Oh, please, 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 please. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I had, I had to be truthful with myself. I said, all right, if I'm going to get on the show with you guys, I'm going to tell you some of the, some of the hard, hardcore, <laughs> ugly stuff. Because it was not, it. not all fun games. So you, <laughs> the one episode that comes to mind is something called uh, "Blame It on the Rain." And uh, um, another buddy of mine, uh, our Scott Gemmel, wrote the episode. He wrote me in it. And uh, originally, there was like a big chunk of of, of a, it wasn't it wasn't a bullet man it was like it was a whole like magazine of, of bullets you know i just would have to just blurt out all this information and it was right like when when the rig opens up in the back and i have a little baby with me and i'm like i could just narrate the, the dialogue now because it's so relaxed and it's like 10 years later blah 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 right but the episode was pouring rain oh 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 let me back up one second i know they were going really late so I must okay. have been sitting around for like two hours and I had a chunk of dialogue and I was sweating all weekend knowing the dialogue, <laughs> but I felt, I felt okay about it. And Paul mm -hmm. McCrane was, and Lauren, Paul McCrane was directing this episode. So I felt the double pressure Ooh. and Lily was with me and, and I was handing off the, I was handing the baby off to Laura Ennis. So all my peeps were there, the people I really admired and respected. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to really like, drive the scene. So I waited around for like two hours, three hours, just running lines. I was exhausted by the time we started. It was pouring rain out. Just, uh, I, I'm sorry, it was like, um, you know, manufactured. They right. they, cre they created the rain, of course, uh, which was fun a fun feat in itself just to watch how they did that. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. And uh, and, the, and the downside of, of having your friends in the writing room, like knowing all the, the politics and all the stuff going on behind the scenes, it it's it, – it's kind of a bummer when you hear some of the crappy shit, you know, yeah. who, mm -hmm. you know, the ego stuff, who's fighting, who, who's having stress, stressful week, you know? So that kind of like got, got in my head in a way, you know, like mm -hmm. some of the other BS. Mm -hmm. So we do a, we do a rehearsal. <laughs> I barely get the lines out. Terrence Nightingale, the kick-ass uh, cameraman. This guy's, he's done so many episodes. He's on uh He's on NCIS right now doing the same thing. Like just, oh, cool. just by the way, you know, that's how a lot of these guys work. Like Scott Gemmel was like an executive producer on ER. And when he went over to NCIS, he took a bunch of his people over there. So what happens mm -hmm. is like people just start working for each other over the years. It's kind yeah. of like, I'm sure you've seen on, on the resumes how people, oh yeah, my friend hired yeah. me. I mean, we've seen it on a smaller scale, just even looking at, you know, China Beach and what got carried over to ER from there. Perfect example. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, oh my God, they started out as the, you know, assistant director or whatever. Now they're co-showrunner. And, mm -hmm. and the same thing for like um, uh, Jag, a couple of the guys like Jack Ormans and again, they from Jag and all that. But yes, exactly, Lauren. They take care of their own if they, if they have a kind of cool working relationship. Right. So the first rehearsal, I barely get the lines out. I could... <laughs> I could feel Paul's eyes on me, just kind of saying, dude, you're going to be able to do this? I know it's a chunk of dialogue, but you're going to be all right. Go, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. Got to do it again for rehearsal. I uh, can't get the fucking words out. Shit. All right. Okay. Okay. And now it's getting close to lunchtime. And whenever, you know, you know, uh, there's strict uh, union rules, you know, so mm -hmm. it, because, you know, otherwise they could take advantage of people. So when lunch is called, lunch is called. And so if you go over, it's overtures, overtures and that's going to cost money and it's going to run into all kinds of scheduling problems. So we did it one more time. I didn't really have it again. And Paul's like, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's break for lunch. I'm sweating my ass off right now. I'm really getting like nervous because my, okay. 
how am I going to get this out if I can't even get it out in rehearsals? Because now we got a little infant with us. It's going to be really complex. Yeah. So Paul's like, okay, let's go to lunch. He goes, Louie, I'll be right back. I'll meet you in your trailer. <laughs> he comes back about 20 minutes later. He goes, here, we're going to do this. Because he went back to Scott and he said, and he said, and this is kind of humiliating. He asked Scott if he could just like trim the trim some of the dialogue. I was relieved. I was embarrassed. But, you know, I was like, you know, what? Because and Paul was kind of cool about it. He goes, you know, it's really hard to do this because he does it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, it's really hard when you got a lot of movement and you got, you got these props and you got an infant. And I just asked Scott if he could just like trim some of these dialogues because you know this stuff isn't easy, Louis. I'm like, right? <laughs> like, thanks, Paul. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just a tough, tough day, man. It was a tough day. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Good things in the past, I and I survived it. it. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's that's a good director, though. I guess that would you know do kind of like take again to use the sports analogy, like kind of take the head coach's job of like you know, I'm I'm gonna frame this in such a way that it's like I'm we're doing this for you, you know. Right. Exactly, Daniel. Exactly. It, it because you know you don't realize how much support you need until you're in those moments. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I said, when my buddy says, hey, dude, the least I hear about you, the better you're doing your job. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but sometimes you kind of act out like a three year old. You kind of like you <laughs> want <laughs> you want attention. So unconsciously, sure. you're going to yeah. you're going to trip yourself up or you can do something uncharacteristic or and you're going to want daddy to show up. <laughs> yeah. Save the day, pops, or yeah. be the coach. Right, Dan? Like yeah. be the coach. Yeah. That's what Paul did for me, which was really cool. Daniel's analogy was much better. Mine would have been corporate America because that's what I'm in every day. Oh, so bring it on. I like, bring it on. I'd love to hear that. Oh, I was just going to. Oh, I was just going to say when you're having a bad day and your manager steps up and goes, hey, let's shuffle the workload around a little bit to like, save your ass. So. It still works. It still. Absolutely. No, but Absolutely. I'm just saying I'm. If it was Daniel and Lizzie on here, the sports would have been 100 percent. But then you've got me who's who's little miss corporate. So that's great. That's um, great. I get it. But. Oh, talking about complex episodes. Um, one of your characters' more memorable moments was driving the ambulance that ultimately kills Mackay oh. Pfeiffer's character when it explodes at the end of season 14, beginning of season 15. Your character is severely injured, impaled on a piece of metal. Any memories on filming such a complex and, you know, potentially effects-heavy episode for you? Because I imagine typically you weren't in the the meat of it as much right that, that's true lauren and it was it was kind of fun to be in the thick of it you know and we got i got to go to chicago because i wanted to shoot the exteriors in chicago which was a blast um my uh my buddy dave was like so we're, we have this storyline this is what's going to happen you want to die <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> i'm like he goes you want to have your death scene you want to do that i'm like uh how many more seasons are we going to go? He goes, eh, this is our last season probably. I'm like, how many more episodes do you think I'm going to do? He goes, yeah, you'll probably get a few more in there. I'm like, let's do, let's keep me alive. Then. <laughs> keep those checks coming. Squeeze out a few more checks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's such a great guy. He's like, okay, we'll keep you alive. So um, it was for, for, from my perspective, from my my involvement is it was more you know movie magic because all I was doing is just sitting in the uh, in the in the rig. Um, they did a cool effect where they the 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 pole would get um, screwed on, like they put a chest plate around me, and then mm. they had the 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 rod kind of screw on to the 
the screw on the chest plate and then you right. put the uniform over. So that was kind of a fun thing. And then, and then it was connecting me to the chair so I couldn't move. So it gave me a, a feeling of, you know, you know, real pin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so we never drove. <laughs> the whole thing took place in the, you know, in, in, in the streets of Chicago where they just shut everything down. It was cold as hell. That's what I remember. It was cold. Makai and I were freezing our asses off. Yep. Uh, Sounds like home. Oh, no, no, that's right. That's right. There you are. Yeah. That's right. You're out there. Um, and uh, it wasn't. I did choose I, one fun thing because I was like, you know, I felt like I had to bring something this time. You know, it wasn't just information. I got to do more, you know, more acting. So I was like, oh, you know, I think I'll. I could go into a pain like and scream. Not that they would. Not that that was in the script, mm-hmm. uh, but knowing that you know a paramedic has been around this stuff forever and he's always aware of danger and seeing the worst of the worst. So I, was, I kind of chose to go into shock. So mm-hmm. it was like my my reaction was more like uh, I didn't have any dialogue with it, but I was like, oh, uh, what the fuck? So it was yeah. more about that kind of ex- reaction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very very fun. Uh, but man. You know, of course, it was season fourteen, fifteen. I guess uh, mm-hmm. they're they were a, they were a fine running machine, boy. They were oh, they bet, knew what yeah. they were doing. They knew what they were doing. You know, Chris uh, Messiano, I think, directed that episode. A couple of directors, because it was like a cross. Like what they'll do is they'll go to Chicago and shoot like three or four different episodes, different parts mm-hmm. of the episodes, mm-hmm. just to, you know, because they just bring everybody out there yeah. in one swoop. So, you know, just hundreds of people and a lot of moving parts and they're, they're good boy they're really good oh, I'm sure, it was yeah. cool to watch you know so you kind of touched on a little bit earlier you know your first uh day on set you're watching you know a legend like bob newhart uh mm. work his magic uh, but were there any other guest stars that you you know found yourself you know just enjoyed being around or found yourself kind of starstruck around like was there anybody that stood out for you uh as a guest star yeah well quite a few actually because of you know they were fortunate you know they could still get those people you know when right. i was on the show because a lot of times you know when those shows run for a long time you know people tend to be conveniently too busy to do it but er was always able to get their people mm-hmm. um so for me it was like you know tucci stanley tucci john leguizamo um steve buscemi uh, I didn't work with Ray Liotta, but I went down on set and I just got to see him. a huge Ray Liotta fan. Um, Courtney B. Vance, just a total gentleman, and, you know, to have him and, and, um, um, what do you call the Angela Bassett, his right. wife worked together. That was really mm-hmm. cool to be around. Cause sure. you know, those guys are just legends, you know, they're just super talented and just professional. But when they were together on set, it was kind of fun to, to witness that. <laughs> um, yep. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Bob Newhart was actually, you know, pretty neat intro. Yeah. I don't know. Anybody inspire you guys? I can't think of anybody else. You're... It's, it's just, you, it's just so funny. Cause you, you name off a lot of those big late season. Um... Yeah guests and spot and special characters and it's so funny because everybody everybody always talks about how magical the early seasons are and i'm one of those people where i'm 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 i go hard for the for the later seasons. oh no kidding so it's just really? i'm yeah i'm and i think part of it is just because 
with my age, um, I'm the baby of the podcast. So with my age, that's what I'm going to remember better from when it was first airing and just like it. I don't know. They just they stick with me more. So I'm really excited when we get to the later seasons because I'm I was just going to ask, does it feel like a separate show, Lauren? Um, we, we joke and say it kind of goes through three separate shows within Uh. its airing. If so, we kind of have Daniel, correct me if I'm wrong on how we've said this, and I'm sorry, listeners, you've heard this before, but I have, I, we're brilliant. So I have to, (laughs) we say like, we, we say like, um, version one is kind of seasons one through five roughly. And then version two is five through probably nine. Yeah. Yeah. And then three is... 10 through 15. So you get those three kind of eras. Mm-hmm. It all has that, as Daniel likes to say, has that living, breathing character of the ER. Oh, that's but great. you go that's through great. such great character shifts and um, cast shifts that while you do have those familiar faces through the whole time and you have the familiar setting, the ER changes, the staff changes, the, you know, the systems change, just like a real ER would. So it ends up like everybody has their favorites. Mine tends to be more of the later ones. Oh, that's just, great. I don't feel like they get as much they don't get as much love in my opinion. So Lizzie, <laughs> Lizzie goes Lizzie goes hard for the mid seasons. Uh-huh. I'm really I'm a late seasons person and Daniel just likes to be our middleman <laughs> and make sure everybody's good on everything. That's great. That's a great explanation because it makes perfect sense. That's really, really cool because yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I'm I don't know the actual numbers as far as like changing of showrunners. But you know, a showrunner, mm-hmm. even though they have the network to answer to, and of course John Wells was involved the whole time, and you know, there's a certain, mm-hmm. you know, tone to the show that they want to stay true to. I wouldn't be surprised right. that, that that there was like a significant personality shifts based on who was running the show at the time. Yeah. So it makes sense. It's like the Simpsons. <laughs> Which I'm not a fan of. So yeah. It's interesting. That's 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 fine. It's um, interesting. We, it's one. It's one that we grew up with, and I. I don't think I've seen a new episode of The Simpsons in probably uh fifteen. Oh, okay. Years. So <laughs> but, yeah, I but got Bill, it. Still a big but, fan. Yeah, just just institutions. Yeah, exactly. Um, but okay, I'll get us back on track. Sorry. Um, do you have a specific memory from your time on set that stands out as personally significant or memorable for you? The thing that, like, it was a recurring thing. Like when you do a good job. You really, and you get the nod from the director or even the camera guy, who's just as important in my opinion because, mm-hmm. you know, he's tr- he's following he's following you, and you right. know he's in the trenches with you. And when there's a screw up, he's got to like reset. And so getting the uh, like the one, I'm sorry, Lauren, I can't think of a specific time. Like we're outside in the uh, in the in the in the Bay Area, and I had to take one. I had to present from one rig. A couple of things would happen, and then the camera would pick me up. Then the couple, then the camera would follow somebody else. Then the camera would have to pick me back up again, and I have to present again. And I had to do this, like you know, loop de loo roundabout, mm-hmm. right? You know, blocking thing. And when I executed it, if it, it was like a drug, it was like a high. I was like, <laughs> that's where my athleticism kicked in. That's where, yeah, that's where my like team spirit. Um, and other than that, I th- a couple of times when I saw my buddy, like the way he ran the set, that was pretty special mm-hmm. for me because I got to see, you know, me, me being the low man on the pole, but I got to see somebody who I knew very well. He's like mm-hmm. a, like my closest friend. I've known him for over 25 mm-hmm. years. And I to watch him 
run the run the set or run the show literally with 300 people that was very inspiring right. to me because i got to be on the inside and then follow up and hang out with him for dinner that night and kind of like talk about it afterwards which is that, that stuff was just it, it was really unique for me yeah. you know i i really dug that not that you know that's that's also a perspective that not a lot of cast would get so how cool for you that you got to see that yeah yeah again like like i said since i wasn't like a regular on the show or you know even that that much of a you know storyline um you know and also like you know because i socialized with them and a lot of the writers mm-hmm. i go to a lot of parties and like you know just hang out and i kind of got to get got this this the real you know sisterhood and the brotherhood of those guys the writers right. who are just you know smart people boy yeah a whole other ilk <laughs> I couldn't do it. So you and we, me both learn. We just talk. Yeah, we just talk about what they did. We, we're good. Yeah. Um, but then one other thing we like to do is we like to have our listeners and um, the fans from Carly's fan page, ER Fan Tribute, pitch in some questions if they have any, you know, Great. unique inquiries on what they might want to ask and so i've got i've got two for you from our listeners Fun. one was and you mentioned this a little bit but were you a fan of the show before you started working on it uh i wouldn't say a fan but as a right. you know journeyman somebody who wanted to work yes yeah. from that perspective and because i knew emily uh we were in theater company i kind of knew what was going on over there um but uh knowing how it was like a you know trailblazer it was like unique and it's you know everything from like you know the steady cam you know knowing that you had that uh, the other podcast and learning about all that stuff was just incredible right when they were starting oh, yeah. the steady cam stuff it, mm-hmm. yeah but that's that was yeah, that, that was my I, impression of it and then the other was um did you have to do any formal training aside from the jargon to prep for the role you know <clears throat> to say you had to you, right. uh, you'd have to do it like on the day as the doctors were choreographing that was that was the crash course that was like you know you're you're cramming your 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 studies for the test mm-hmm. right. but i i kind of like i i uh because they had a couple of background guys who were also who who were real paramedics they were working mm-hmm. for some of the local you know ambulance uh companies in the city so i became buddies with a couple right. of those guys like yeah come on down come hang out with us so i did that right. one night and I got a totally different perspective because, you know, they're young kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like in their twenties. They were adrenaline junkies. It gave me a really cool insight. They like when they were driving around the city, like on a chase. Mm-hmm. It's as mm-hmm. if they were in a in a in a freaking um, video game. It was it, <laughs> it's like the way they were treating it, and, and it gave me a totally different perspective. Of like you know, there's an actor doing it, or there's a guy that's doing the paramedic stuff. You know, it's right. like there's the actor's approach and then there's the real, real deal. Right. And it kind of yeah. shifted my perspective 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. It totally shifted my perspective because they were, you know, they were like they were, you know, they're curmudgeons. They were young kids, but they were like <laughs> busting each other's balls all the time. It was it was it was great. It was great. That was my my crash course. Love it. Yeah. Uh, are you working on any projects currently and how can fans keep up with your work outside of ER? Um, well, like I said, I teach. So a lot of my work now is teaching since the pandemic. I haven't been working as an actor much. Um, uh, I just did a, uh, actually it's been two years now that I did a spot on NCIS LA. My buddy Scott Gemmel, 
he hired me for that show, which he's hired a bunch of ER people on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that one person show I was telling you about, I'm writing it with mm-hmm. my buddy Dave, uh, the guy from ER. You know, we're writing it as a feature film right now. So those are like the immediate projects that I have going on right now. And uh, this one final question, and this is one that we've made kind of a habit of asking every person that we've talked to this question. Um, what do you think it's important for fans of ER to know about it from your unique perspective? In other words, when you think back on your time on the show, what would you want fans to know about the experience that wouldn't necessarily be clear just from watching? You know, just like, like I was saying earlier, just a few minutes ago, how, you know, I, I, I had no idea what it took, to, mm-hmm. not only for the, just to put the show together, but the writers in particular mm-hmm. you know there's a reason why a show like that lasts as long as it does because it doesn't get stale they just mm-hmm. keep coming up with right. new ideas and the the characters even though you know there's like how many does how many doctors and how many nurses kind of like came through even the guest stars those voices were very unique mm-hmm. and that takes mm-hmm. uh, that takes real talent as as writers so those guys were hard-working and and one of the interesting things, and I found this very interesting, I tell my students often, is like, you know, writers have to be brutally honest when they're writing stories and characters, because otherwise it's just going to, it's going to be clunky on the page. It's going to, it's going to, you know, people may not know it consciously, but unconsciously, you know, there's, there's a falsehood to that. Mm-hmm. There's not, there's something untrue about that character, because it was in the writing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so uh, they were such a family. And like I said, when I would hang out with them socially, the way they would interact, it was almost like they were family, you know, mm-hmm. like they knew each other so intimately. I was like, and it dawned on me, I'm like, oh, this is how they exist in the writer's room. Mm-hmm. Eight, mm-hmm. 10 hours a day in the room. I can't spend the time, much time with you know, my, my girlfriend or whatever, or whoever, <laughs> my own family member. Yeah. Never alone somebody I just have this, you know, business relationship with, but it's creative. So that I think is a really cool perspective that they don't get, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, they're never like the, the face unless, you know, you're the John Wells of the world or whatever. Um, there's so many of these writers that are just wickedly talented. Um, and, uh, you know, they bust their ass. They work really, really hard. 